You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number sixty-three. We're discussing Logan and X twenty-three in the comics. I'm Ernie Host Tim. I'm Troy. And joining us today, we got special guest, the man himself, Chris, over here at Alpha Comics. This is this is like my second home. This is where it goes down. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Yeah, Chris has opened up his comic book shop, Alpha Comics, here in Calgary. His sanctuary that he's built, and we're sitting right in the middle. There's a lot to look at here. I'm seeing. Wednesday's new comic books right across from me. A, a day early. Peak. A day early, yeah. which is just beautiful to look at. We've got statues. We've got back issues. Everything kicking around in here. And I'm going to have a really hard time focusing on the podcast today. You and me both. <laughs> so, Chris, just mm-hmm. by way of introduction, you know, you have a comic book shop. You own a comic book shop here in Calgary. And clearly you're a fan. Why don't you give us just a little insight into yourself? What comic books are you reading these days? What are you into? What drives you? Oh, sure. That's a big question, I guess. Um, Well, definitely comics uh, drive me. I've been a lifelong comic book fan. I started reading comics uh, when I was eight years old, roughly. At least that's when I started buying my own comics. And I was into Spider-Man, and as I grew older, I got into X-Men. So as a kid in the 90s, it was a lot of X-Books, definitely. Wolverine became my favorite character, and through those rock star artists of the 90s I wanted to uh, become an artist myself and I didn't quite get that comic job so I'm pretty happy with the comic job I have yeah it gives me an opportunity to get a lot of new people into comics uh, which I really enjoy a lot and then with the store here uh, it's it's been uh, like a dream job of course working in a comic store you guys are talking about how exciting it is just to be here and, and being distracted by everything uh, so even on a on a bad day it's still working at a comic store right as far as like comics i've always enjoyed uh like i said x-men was always a a big run for me as well as spider-man today i do stick to those books for a lot of the most part as well Uh, i really enjoy uh, the old man logan series uh extraordinary x-men both written by jeff lemire and i like a lot of the image books today as well uh saga is one of my favorites definitely way up there i usually read Walking Dead out of the box when it comes in. Nice. Just to see where the cliffhanger ends. <laughs> so, so you've stuck with your 90s. Where, do you, where you've come from, your roots, when it comes to your mm-hmm. current comic book reading. Yeah. Uh, you know, you develop a fandom and an attachment. And I think as comic fans, we kind of come to uh, get to really know these characters almost like they're real people. And our long boxes kind of become catalogs of their lives. So, yeah, I'm still sticking with Wolverine. I'll nice. still see Wolverine movies, even if they're bad. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> uh, I hear the next one's really great, but let's see what it looks like when it's uh, on the big screen. <laughs> so th- those are your favorite comic books. Do you mm-hmm. feel the obligation from owning a comic book shop to keep up on every single issue that comes out from Image through DC to Marvel Comics? Because... As individual comic book readers, we have that the optionality to pick and choose what we want to read. If we want to stick into the Spider-Man universe or Avengers or, or skip over to DC and read the Batman universe, do you find that obligation to keep up with everything? Uh, you can't. No. You can't I, possibly. Um, I do uh, know some people who 
buy a lot of comics and actually do read them all, I don't know how they can do it. Like, uh, <laughs> I bring in about 70 different titles a week. Wow. And I, I try to, uh, to read all the new number ones or jumping on points so I can advise people yeah. on if, if the comic is of quality or not. And then I got my normal reads. And then for the rest of it, I kind of depend on what I'm catching online, like as far as news and, and you know, uh, which creators are working where and, and things like that. But yeah, I can't possibly keep up. I max out at about five books. Yeah, it's, yeah. it seems like such a daunting <laughs> task. Like even myself, keeping up with just the few pulls I have mm-hmm. a week on top of trying to, you know, keep ingrained within the cinematic universes and understanding what's going on over at Star Wars and all that. Like, it's it's mind-numbing to think about much more than I do. And mm-hmm. you're somewhat responsible for kind of, like you said, introducing people to comics. Like, yeah. that's something that you're behind the desk here and people are going to ask you, what should I be reading? What is on the shelves? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a testament to your commitment to the shop to the store, to the industry, to just say, look, I'm going to read all the number ones. Like, that's a huge task in itself, especially with Marvel. Yeah. Uh, well, all, all across the board right now, we're seeing a lot of number ones. Uh, from Marvel, from DC, they just had their rebirth, and a lot of those books are coming out twice a month, so you can imagine oh, the challenge of keeping up on reading on that. And then we're also seeing a lot of other hungry publishers uh, trying to get some spots in the comic stores. Uh, Boom Studios is been really going for it lately i've been noticing dark horse comics uh just signed uh, karen berger over for her own imprint so the the number ones uh they're not stopping that's for sure yeah so how do you feel about marvel these days with their uh, decision of relaunching number ones quite often more so than dc i'd have to look at the math to see if they're doing it more or less it seems that dc will do it every five years or so nowadays in marvel's kind of got like a seasonal uh, approach to things. Uh, but the number ones, I'm finding it's confusing a lot of fans. Um, so let's say Spider-Gwen uh, introduced a lot of fans in the comics. People would see that character as a pop figure or whatever and then get into the comic. And it went to five issues and then started over right away. And now these guys are coming in and they're like, which number three do I need? Right. It's It's hard and it's even hard for me to keep track too, especially when two volumes are so close together. Like yes. I could tell the difference between, you know, uh, let's say uh, Punisher uh, volume two and volume 10 pretty easily by the covers. But when they're so close together, it's making it confusing for everybody. Right. Number ones, people still do like getting them. You get the sense that you're starting at the top of yeah. the story, but I never started with the number one. And I, I doubt you guys started with a, a number one comic either. Uh, you could jump onto these comics at any time and go backwards if if you need yeah. to it's okay uh one big difference between like when i was a kid to now though is that books are usually written in six issue story arcs so if it's in a trade paperback yeah so when i was a kid you really could just grab a comic off the shelf and read it and it would be a complete yeah, story just a one shot almost right yeah. yeah so it's a little different that way so i would say the the constant number ones is uh upsetting a little bit of the balance um then you have the other side where it's like longtime collectors who've been getting, uh, say, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. And oh, yeah. it's been relaunched several times lately, and you know people don't feel like they need a complete set anymore. Or their complete set, and set ends with uh, 700. Yeah. yeah. Right? So it's it's adding 
some complications, I would say. Right. Yeah, definitely. Even from a reader's perspective, yes. it's, I'm all over the place lately. <laughs> it's, it's hard to keep up. And we try to, once in a while on the podcast, is give people a little bit of insight from, from our perspective mm-hmm. as to what these number ones mean from Marvel. Like, can you jump on to number one, which is actually now issue number eight? So mm-hmm. probably not. So it's, it's quite confusing. And one of the other things that we've talked a lot about on the podcast lately is digital versus physical. Troy and I are big physical collectors. We mm-hmm. we love you know the chase coming to the comic book shop on Wednesdays, and it's almost a pride. It's a collection, right? Mm-hmm. And with Marvel recently switching their digital formatting to this three book promotional type thing and getting mm-hmm. away from their more traditional digital, which I really liked. I like getting the physical copy, and right. you're getting the bonus digital on top of that. Yep. Um, as, as a shop owner, the digital era is kind of sneaking into comic books within the last couple of years. Have you noticed any sort of seismic shift in people coming into the shop? Or is that somewhat offset by the popularity of the comic book movies and the genre itself? There's a couple angles with the digital. As, as a Marvel was, they were giving you a free digital copy along with your print copy. Yeah. So... Uh, through that, I was gaining actual digital customers that figured, well, since I'm spending the same amount of money, may as well have a physical copy. They would just peel the sticker and then file away their book and read uh, in their preferred way. Digital has a, a great way to reach uh, a lot of comic fans that don't have access to comic book stores. There's a lot of huge voids in America, like in the tail ends of the 90s. Two-thirds of comic stores just straight up disappeared. Mm-hmm. And now, because of those voids, people still want to enjoy comics, and digital is, is the means to get them. But I don't think you're going to get many people to switch from print uh, to digital. Maybe if somebody starts digital, they'll stay digital. But yeah. I find it's more enjoyable to to get the print copy material aside like uh, we're talking about going out getting out of the house going yeah. to somewhere meeting like-minded people interacting interacting in shop. talking yes. comics talking the new movies all this stuff uh, wednesday's new comic book day and we usually have a half dozen people hanging out here pretty much all day so yeah it's yeah. it's pretty great and i think that's what the purpose of comic stores are now if you could go online, never mind just digital, you could go on websites and buy print copies too mm, instead right. of going to a comic store. And people do do that too. But the comic store, because of that, needs to do more than just sell comics. It needs to engage with, with the fandom in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah, it becomes mm-hmm. a hub for people, for a community to yep. gather at. Absolutely. I, I so much appreciate that because, like you said, you, you see a lot of these stores disappearing. And I grew up in an area where there was one comic book shop 45 minutes away from me. Wow. Mm-hmm. So my access to comics was almost none right. growing up. And the appreciation I now have for, like I said, the sanctuary that you've created in here, it's more about the atmosphere. You walk in and you're wowed by things. And I think that is that is so important when it comes down to comic book shops, is creating that environment for a community. Yeah. yeah, and I would hate for a new fan to come in here and they've already gone through all the hoops that are before them to become a comic fan and they make it to the comic store and we have like a dungeon-looking place <laughs> yeah. or, or somebody rude behind the counter. Yeah. And then we lost a comic fan. And we don't want to lose comic fans. We want to gain more friends and more people to talk comics with absolutely for sure for yeah. sure and i've met a couple of cool dudes actually here recently uh mark so shout out to mark over there if you're listening but um a great community you have over here at Alpha. so keep up the good stuff right on yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're here today in the comic book shop to talk comics we're going to talk logan and x23 towards the back half of this episode we're going to bring and shed a little bit of light on maybe some of the the trades 
the issues and the story arcs that we think may influence the Logan movie that's dropping this week. And we wanted to kind of point you guys towards some of our favorite stories that might be an avenue in for new comic book readers that do enjoy the Logan movie. This is, I think, Hugh Jackman's ninth time playing Logan, which is absolutely insane. But there's so many more comic books focusing in on Wolverine, so many great stories. Mm -hmm. And we're going to kind of start this path towards pointing you in the right direction and leading you kind of straight off of the movie. But before we get into that, we're going to do just our normal news segment this week. And, and last week on the podcast, Troy and I threw down a little wager with respects to the Oscars. And did you guys have a chance to watch the Oscars? Oh, of course. That's what I live for. This is like my <laughs> nerdy Super Bowl. You know, I'm, I'm not much of a football player. Actually, I've never played football. But You look like it, you play football. <laughs> but when it comes to the Oscar season, that's, that's, my, um, that's my jam right there. So... Uh, this this was a great day. Yeah, I had a great time watching this thing. It was actually yeah. a lot of fun. It's, it was. it's one of those award shows, and you can call it what you want to call it. If it's the industry patting itself on the back or whatever, I enjoy the spectacle that it does create. I enjoy seeing all these people interacting. I like the presenters. The music's good, yeah. and I love the montages they put together. They just stroke the heart in the right way. Right. And that in memoriam was fantastic, and they had a great piece Even with Carrie did you, Fisher. Did you hear they messed up? Oh, used somebody's yeah, wrong uh, photo. Wrong photo. They used oh, somebody really? that was actually alive for someone that was dead. Ooh, that's weird. It's the right name awesome. and the right, right person, name. but wrong the photo, photo was yeah. somebody else yeah. who's alive. So that was the biggest mess, uh, mess up for that, yeah. that event. <laughs> One of them. Second biggest. <laughs> Second biggest. Yeah. So that, that's, yeah, you know, Steve Harvey, it's just splattered across. Oh, yeah. That's all I could think of. And... That issue they had at the end there, that was one of the most painful moments I have ever seen at the Academy Awards. For those that did not watch it, I don't know how you haven't seen this on the internet yet, but they accidentally announced La La Land as the best picture winner, the last award of the night, the one that's considered the biggest award. They announced La La Land, but Moonlight actually won. They gave the presenter, Bonnie and Clyde, the wrong envelope. I felt so bad for those two. <laughs> well, he tried to justify himself at the end, yeah. saying, like, look, guys, this is it wasn't what his happened. Fault. Yeah. He had to say something. Yeah. Like, yeah. he couldn't just... Everybody had to figure out what to do. I, I watched uh, a little clip from Jimmy Kimmel where he explained, like, his, his side and what he had to do throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And I guess the end of it uh, was going to be him sitting down with Matt Damon, and they're going to have, like, a little joke around that. But then the whole wrong card was up, so he had to run back up on stage and say stuff and make stuff up as he was going along. Long oh and yeah it was really interesting how they all had to really just kind of get it together and figure out what to do and say to everybody my wife and i rewound that three times because like and you look at the audience and i was just just in so much pain and the producers and that the creators of la, la land handled it really they well did. really professionally yeah. and so kudos to those guys for essentially reaching your pinnacle, your dream, and then having it ripped away from you moments later. And making those speeches, right? Like they got you through know? all their speeches yeah. before they acknowledged that there was an issue. Yeah. Like, oh, Super man. Super fortunate for them, yeah. But it, uh, yeah, I, I just can't believe that. But yeah, great on the guys from All End. And they won some other awards throughout the night, but it's still, like, that's a hundred times worse than Steve Harvey's message. Yeah, but, but I feel bad for Moonlight because it steals their shine, you know? They, they didn't have that moment, right? Yeah. That, that like, kind of that reveal feel that La La Land got with everyone cheering. Exactly. So yeah, so it's kind of a lost yeah. moment on both ends, even for though sure. Moonlight walks away with Ultimate the title. Yeah. A unique situation for the Oscar yeah. awards. Oh, for man. Sure. They've yeah. been doing this for almost 90 years. 
Because mm-hmm. I think it's the same accounting firm that's been doing it for like 80 years that actually put together and tally the votes and wow. give out the cards. Mm-hmm. So it is an issue with the accounting firm. They actually put out a statement and apologized to everyone involved that they're going to look into to see what exactly happened. Jeez. So Probably yeah, just some intern, you know, mixed up the envelopes. <laughs> yeah. And... Yeah, you're in charge of the best picture. Okay. <laughs> this looks like about right. <laughs> so we had a little wager, Troy and I, on this, and we made our predictions. We made 19 predictions, not wow. all of the Oscars, but most of them, in the categories that we felt that were that we were able to comment on. We didn't go into the documentary or anything like that, foreign film. Because, Short animated. Yeah, because yeah. we, didn't, we didn't feel that we had the proper knowledge to actually discuss that. And the wager that we had, it's probably the most appropriate that we're here to announce this because we bet that the winner, whoever got the most correct predictions, would be responsible for buying the other guy's pull list for the week. And I'm staring at New Comic Book Day right now. And I'm going to reveal who won this. So, Troy, out of 19, you got nine correct. Jeez. (laughs) Including, though, the three-pointer that is Moonlight. Oh, yeah, there was a three-pointer. Yeah, so that brings you to a total of 11. Yeah, okay, okay. So, I got 13 out of 19 cards. Wow, so My man. it's difficult to you know to show everyone. I got, I got, <laughs> no. the, I got the title right. Like Chris now. is holding up right now. Yeah. <laughs> so Troy, I'm just gonna I'm gonna peer over here and see what you're gonna be picking up for me. Some I'm looking Batman. at yeah, sure. Is it definitely a Star Wars book here? <laughs> Spider Man Homecoming prelude. Oh yeah. Ooh, Avengers. So this looks like it's gonna be a good week. It's good looking week. good. Extremity oh. looks super violent. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, as long as the loser doesn't have to watch the extended cut of the Batman versus Superman movie. It's yeah, okay. you're all good. No, it's the theater cut. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's sort of fun. I look forward to doing that next year. And awesome. Well played. Retaining my title. Yeah, that's two in a row. Yeah, kind of two in a row. I kind of threw the other one to Sanjay, but I feel like I'm going to take that one yeah, back. Yeah, Sanjay's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so I look forward to taking my, my comic books home. Nice. And... Yeah, it's, it's for sure, man. Write up that list, and uh, I'll be stopping by tomorrow. It's going to be a big, long list. Oh man, might include a few of these back issues behind me. Here. Get some doubles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> humans number one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we just get to get me one of these big ones. Maybe the first appearance of Apocalypse. That'd be good. <laughs> so the in memoriam it uh, from last night's Oscars. So they, we had the nice piece from Princess Leia and Debbie Reynolds and all of the stars that we lost this year. It was quite a devastating year in 2016, and 2017 hasn't started off that much better. No. Uh, on Oscar night, or I guess the night before, uh, there was word that Bill Paxton passed away from complications of, with surgery. And this is a guy, this is someone, you know, Princess Leia was a huge deal for us. She was, Carrie Fisher was our princess, right? We're so connected to the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. And some of the other people that passed away, I, I felt myself almost at arm's length because they're a, another generation older. But Bill Paxton, he's a, an actor that I grew up watching in Twister, Aliens, Titanic, Apollo 13, and more recently he was in an arc of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this, I've watched this guy for my entire life. And being that he was only 61, it's, yeah. it was pretty shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did you guys have that same attachment to Bill Paxton? Did you find you grew up watching this guy? Probably, yes, but not to, like, a, a very emotional level. I don't know if... If I'm just that cold or no, what? No, it, it's but, it's hard to connect emotionally um, sometimes. I yeah. think the to last death. celebrity death I remember like choking me up uh, was Brandon Lee. Yeah. Uh, after yeah. that, so I was a kid still right. and all that. And I was like, wow, you know. 
but um, yeah, last year was really awful. And uh, Bill Paxton, like he's been in a lot of uh, great, great films that we all enjoy. And you know, it's very sad. And he was young, like yeah. sixty-one. Sixty-one is not. Is not no, <laughs> it's not Hollywood old either. Like no. this right. guy has like all the care in the world at his right. fingertips. Yeah. So kind of makes you value like what's close to you. I think in that that angle that we can lose somebody at that age and i don't know what his surgery was for right but you know it could have been uh something routine yeah and you know just something happened and we lost him right just like that eh? yeah yeah super unfortunate yeah it shows how fragile life is it's interesting you bring that up because that's we have this constant reminder and i know this is celebrities and these aren't people that we're family with or connected to Mm -hmm. but there is that constant reminder that, that life is that fragile Mm-hmm. And that you know, one minute you're here, one minute you're not. So it's easy to forget. Exactly. Yeah, and these are these reminders. You know, you kind of think back to your family a bit more, your friends, and and making sure that you have those connections, those bonds, and you you make that effort because it's it's so easy right now. I know I'm kind of tangenting here, but mm-hmm. I, that kind of really clicks something in my head right. that it's it's making sure that you you maintain those connections with people because they could be gone tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely. Be nice to your fellow person. That's all I have to say. Anyways, it, it's I, I find that always it's it's such a pull down to talk about someone's death. And I don't really ever know how to react properly on the podcast, dude. I don't know if I'm supposed to be emotional or whatever. Yeah. So I just kinda end up just dumping what I have on my brain. I know, it's always <laughs> tough to transition to the next, yeah, decide, the next topic. The right? honest way to yeah. present your feelings though, I'd say, you know, yeah. just yeah. get it out there. Yeah. So yeah. moving on to Star Wars. This is a favorite topic of ours. We're part of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. So make sure to go check out all those guys over at Star Wars warscommonwealth.com but rogue one this just left the theater i think there's still some few lingering theaters that are playing this but we have the announcement of the blu-ray when it's dropping april 4th it's coming out on digital hd on march 24th sunjay did order our steelbooks for us nice these are gorgeous looking best buy is already sold out of them is that with the death troopers on there that does have the death troopers walking through the waters of scarif okay so it's 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 great I'd stress to get your copies as soon as possible. If you're getting a steel book, you might have to end up at Best Buy the day of. But it's it's exciting that we're actually going to see this movie again just here in a few short weeks. That's right. So are you going to get the digital copy first? Like, do you dip in both ends? No, or? I, just because they're like a week apart, yeah. I don't see the need. I don't, like, I'm not – of course I want to see the movie again, but I'm yeah. not clamoring for it that bad that I need to pay the $25 for a digital copy that I'm going to get for free a week later. With the physical That's copy, right. And then right? six months later, there'll be, like, extended 3D yeah. version of some sort, I'm sure, right? I think recommend this is a 3D. hard copies of all that stuff Always. anyway. Yeah. I was just banned from the PlayStation Network. Uh, no way. Because I was hacked into, and they just did a, a blanket ban. Oh. Uh, so... Oh, you lose all your digital, all everything all you've ever everything, bought? Everything, well, technically, yes. Uh, at least momentarily anyway. So I was locked out of all my games, all my stuff. And I had to uh, basically change my IP address to oh, correct no. that, which was not easy. Oh, man. Yeah. So now I'm buying everything on disc just in case. Of course. Wow. <laughs> Brutal. Well, it comes down to the same discussion we just had about the digital versus right. physical copy. Yep. Is I like having the digital backup. Like I like being able to yep. take that. And it's the same thing with movies. And I've preached this forever yep. on the podcast. Is like buy the physical, but make sure the physical comes with the digital. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Because really with digital, you're not – uh, in in owning anything, you have the license to view that item, uh, and let's say uh, it sounds impossible, but Amazon goes down along with Comicsology. Well, what happens to your comics? I guess yeah. you don't have a license to view them anymore. Yep. 
So Goodbye. that's uh, that's kind of scary. That is. Yeah. Yeah. Could Ho- imagine. Hopefully, that. apocalypse doesn't come either, and then you're you're stuck with nothing. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with this announcement of the release date, also came the announcement of all of the bonus features that we're going to see on this mm. disc. And I'm just going to quickly rattle these off. We're not really describe these in any sort of detail because we're going to get into a lot of depth on that probably on April 4th or so when this actually drops. Yeah. But we're getting a rogue idea, which just chronicles a bit of where the idea came for, how it was developed. Jin the Rebel, Cassian the Spy, K2, SO the Droid, Bazin Shurit, Guardians of the Wills, nice. Bodhi and Saw, the Pilot and the Revolutionary, the Empire. So these are all short pieces that are going to chronicle those individual characters, looking into the design of the characters, the acting, what they put into it. And then we've got Visions of Hope, the look at Rogue One. So just looking how the film was constructed. So this is a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, a lot of stuff that we really want to see. Mm-hmm. And we've got the princess and the governor. So this is going in great depth wow. how the visual effects work, how they got to the point with Tarkin, with Princess Leia, that they look so close to human-like. So it's going to be really cool chronicling that and looking in a little more depth on how they did that and how they're probably going to continue to use that technology into the future. We've also got the epilogue, the story continues. So this is just looking at... Rogue One, the premiere date, and everything kind of the behind the scenes there of this movie coming into theaters. So really exciting stuff. And also contained on this is Rogue Connections, which is going into quite a bit of detail about all the Easter eggs and the hidden oh. facts throughout the film that we may have not seen. So something that's, that's on, the, on the that screen is. for a second. So they're going into a lot of depth here. And I know a lot of people are going to be looking for those deleted scenes. We know that there's scenes that aren't included on the theatrical cut, my guess is we're never going to see the majority of those. Yeah, because I mean, even just going off the trailer, we saw a lot of cuts already of like Vader in that weird kind of like Daft Punk looking kind of room, you know, the red background yep. going on. There's a lot yep. of cuts going on. Like the TIE fighter coming up after Jin, right. all those kind of things. Them right? running on the beach. Anything that conflicts with canonical storytelling yeah. is never going to be seen ever because as soon as you put that or you at least put on the deleted scenes that scene of them running across the beach that's after they've obtained the plans and k2so is in the background there and so that changes the story okay yeah so you can't put in some of that material the tie fighter like that changes and reframes that whole end sequence and so i think you're you're never going to see those so i would not expect to see any sort of deleted scenes that conflict with any of the storytelling. for a decade or something like yeah, that. Exactly. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, until they uh, touch up Tarkin and Leia in like 20 years. See, you don't like that still, eh? Yeah, I still don't like it. still don't like how they look. I mean, I appreciate what they did, but visually it took me out. I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm a big gamer. I, I play a lot of video games. But uh, right off the bat, I saw the doughy eyes in, uh, in Tarkin, and it just it just threw me off. Huh. Yeah, it threw me off. Which is funny because I went back to episode three, and you do see a younger Tarkin, and I it worked for me. It was from a distance, so you could do a lot more mm-hmm. with that. Um, Tarkin, yeah, I don't know. It didn't didn't do it for me. But either than that, it didn't take my experience out of the film. Still love that movie, especially the ending. So yeah. I've only yeah. seen it once. I thought it was yeah. uh, really amazing what they did. And, you know, they kind of lead you into it thinking, oh, you're only going to see him in the reflection. From the back, yeah. right? Yeah. And, no, no. So he's, good. He's yeah. all in they, it. They show it off, yeah. Yeah. When he turned around, I was just blown away. It, it definitely sounds like we're getting more content, though, on this film, Rogue One, as opposed to the Force Awakens Blu-ray content. I really like, actually, what you just listed off there as opposed to what I saw. Yeah, there seems to be a lot. I'm sure some of it's going to be two, three minutes long. Okay, yeah. 
But at the same time, there's just a lot, something to kind of whet your appetite a bit more. Like you said, there might be an extended cut similar to Force Awakens that comes out with more deleted scenes, more content, a director's commentary. Mm-hmm. So there's potential for more there, but I'm happy with what we're getting here, and I'm excited to review this movie. I've for seen sure. it twice, and i got to get my third viewing in here. Yeah. And it's almost having that ability to do Rogue One straight into A New Hope. Right. Yeah. And there's no mention of a teaser of Episode Eight uh, as being included on the Blu-ray? No. So Marvel hmm. usually does that. Right. They include some of the behind-the-scenes of whatever. I think on Doctor Strange, there's we already seen the concept art. Yep. But there's the concept art for Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Infinity Gauntlet look and the look at the whole MCU. So it doesn't look like we're going to get anything like that. I think – well, so this will come out just before Celebration. I think they're waiting for celebration. Oh, that makes sense. To yep. drop the the bomb that is the episode eight teaser. Yes. Wow. So Luke will talk. Yes. Can't wait. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of Star Wars teasers, we got our first image from the set of the Han Solo movie. Star Wars posted this with the tagline Han Solo, smuggler, scoundrel, hero. A new Star Wars story begins. And there's a nice photo here inside the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon with the majority of the principal cast here, including Chewbacca, Donald Glover, and Aldrich Einright, flanked by the two directors. And then we get off in the corner. We've got Woody Harrelson here. We've got Amelia Clark. And then there's another actress in the background. Troy, you and I discussed this a bit when it drops. Right, we did. Has your opinion changed on the appearance of one Aldrich Einreich? No, not at all. I've, uh, I'm not feeling that hairdo. I, I, I don't want to nitpick. I mean, I'm sure he'll look great on film and they'll get everything right. But uh, just right off the bat, it, just, it didn't do anything for me. I mean, yeah, cool to see Chewie. I'm a big fan of, uh, of Glover there so um we'll he's see gonna steal the show i, I think. think so yeah. i really think so he, he's great <laughs> this guy and he's only getting better and what great casting to have him take you know yeah, uh the mantle from billy D. williams and play lando can't wait is he gonna yeah. shave that beard do you think he's gonna have the mustache Maybe frame by frame, it'll just get a little thicker. <laughs> he can keep the beard. Yeah. Yeah. I want to have a mustache so bad. Yeah. A cold 45? <laughs> yeah. Just, I, I, that's, to me, it's like the mustache and the cape. I need that. Has to have the cape. That'd so, be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. I like, you know, I saw some side-by-side comparisons of uh, Aldrich with something from Empire. It looks a bit better. His hair and that it kind of fits that. I know we're trying to fit more into... The New Hope, or maybe five, ten years before that. Well, that's mm-hmm. what I was trying to figure out, like the timeline of this film. Still, yeah, we've we talked about this right. so much. Like, we just don't know where it's going to sit. Well, it's got to occur during uh, the transfer of the Millennium Falcon's ownership. Yeah, right. right? So, I mean, I'm assuming <laughs> five, ten years is the frame that we've always put around this. Is as far as exactly where it lies relative to the rest of the movies, somewhere in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. That's right. I think that leaves you enough room if this does well that you could do a spinoff and tell a different story. So Lando I, Solo story. Oh, yeah, all oh, Lando Solo. <laughs> just that title, Lando Solo. We do see the Millennium Falcon too, right? In episode three. Yeah. Right. So, so it, it's fun to see. I like that they're putting this. They're keeping the fans engaged. They're giving us little teases here and there. Yeah. Potentially, they could see something at celebration. Us as the general population aren't going to see anything for probably a year. Mm. Would be my guess. Probably attached to episode eight to some degree. But it's great that they're constantly rolling these type of interaction with fans. I think that it keeps people engaged. It reminds people, oh, look, here's the new cast for that Han Solo Mm -hmm. movie. And we're still, what, a year? Over a year, almost two years out from that movie. they got to keep that buzz rolling all the time now, too. 
Yep, so that's right. And yep. one of the things that was pointed out too was with this announcement was that they still haven't moved that release date from May 2018. And that's just offset from Avengers Infinity War. Hmm. And that screams cannibalization of one studio on top of another. They can't have a Star Wars movie and a Marvel Avengers movie opening two weeks out from each other. That's insane. Yeah, and it's the same studio anyways, right? So it wouldn't make sense for them to do that. Not at all. And I think planting that flag in December, like we've talked about before, is the way to go. I like having that early present, that early Christmas present where... I get to see a Star Wars movie. It'll become yeah. a tradition for everybody. Absolutely. Like, that, and that's yes. what the community that we're involved in and the people that we talk to, that's what it's almost become. And my uncle, my dad, when I go home for Christmas, this is now one of our traditions. We go see a saga film, because I go home every other year, in theaters together. Mm-hmm. And then we go have a few beers after, we talk about it, we reminisce. It's become a fun tradition. Now, I'm saying tradition here because we've only done it once. <laughs> okay. But we've already <laughs> planned our viewing for episode eight this year. That's right? incredible, yeah. And so I, I would love if they just stick all these movies one after another once in December every single year. That's that's the way I want them to go. I'm mm-hmm. curious to know, Chris, actually, because, you know, we, I come in here every Wednesday or as much as I can and we talk comics. But yep. what's what's your what's your Star Wars flavor? What's your do you have an order of, of, oh, of the movies? I know it's kind of yeah. tough. I should have given you a heads no, up. No, that's before, OK. But... I got my order. Nice. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Uh, Empire's on top. Cool. It's probably like everybody else's. Yeah. List. Yeah. You know, uh, this is a bit of polarizing, but I do put uh, Force Awakens as my number two favorite. I love that. I've, I've spoken, as of course in a comic story, talk a lot about this stuff, but yeah. uh, I've met a lot of people that criticize the movie as being too close to A New Hope. And, you know, I, I call it a love letter uh, yeah. to A New Hope. Um, it's exactly what yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the rest can be whatever order. No, cool. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not really into... Uh, so much the prequel films uh phantom menace would definitely be on the bottom of my list but you know there's some funny things like how they recut the the films all the time and so some of my criticisms on on episode three are no longer you know in the cut right his his long uh darth vader's long scream of no has been shortened (laughs) and and all that yeah but definitely empire uh force awakens and uh, return of the jedi new hope uh and then you know, whatever in the uh, prequel. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's cool to know. Oh, that's where cool should I put Rogue One? I don't think oh, I that's right. it with Rogue One. That's right. You got to put them mm. there. Dude, this is a Ooh, tough one. This, I still struggle tough. with this. Yeah. Do I like it more than Force Awakens? That's tough. Maybe I do. Yeah? Yeah, let's just put a number two. Nice. Yeah, we, we always call these three. lists quite fluid. <laughs> yeah. You're never going to land on a definitive order because yeah. from time to time you're going to feel more of the OT stuff mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden Rogue One jumps in yeah. there and then you sit back and reframe. Once Upon a Time Jedi was my favorite and then I got a little older and yeah. didn't care for teddy bears no more. Then, you know. <laughs> Those Christmas specials too. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I like the animated portion of the Christmas Yeah. Special. It's all good stuff. Oh, it's yeah. all brilliant material. Just love it. Just love it here. Quickly, before we get into a little bit more talk on Logan and X-23, Troy, you're a massive Nightwing fan. And there are rumors swirling that DC is in talks to develop a Nightwing movie. Let me hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, this is the best news I've heard coming out of the DCU <laughs> in a long time. Um, I, I, I'm, I play both sides. I love DC and I love Marvel. I feel Marvel does such a great job in the MCU. And I feel DC Rebirth is doing the same thing of what Marvel's achieving in the movie universe. Is that DC Rebirth has, has been great. It's refreshing. But the characters hit home. They're, they're back to the roots. And I feel 
the MCU does such a great job of keeping that status quo what it is, and you, you got these legacy characters that are great, whereas the DCU uh, franchise so far has kind of been hit or miss with me. Apart from Man of Steel, I haven't really been feeling any of their movies there. But Nightwing, this is a game changer. Now, I, I hope they have it have a plan for this character, because again, um, DC, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers have just kind of been throwing things like Gotham Sirens and uh, the Cyborg movie that's been pushed back. The the Flash, they don't even have a director. It just sounds like a mess. If they can nail it, which is with that director, um, Adam McKay? Is yeah, it, I think? he directed, or he had a, his hand in Ant-Man as well. He's a oh. c- comedic director. Well, like he directed um, Step Brothers. He's so, done a so lot of which, Will Ferrell Which is the director that did Lego Batman? That's that. That's the director. But yeah, it is the Lego Batman. It is the Lego Batman director that's doing it. So which is cool because he really gets that universe. You know, it's a kid's movie, but he gets the core of Batman, even though I didn't really necessarily like the Dick Grayson portrayal of that movie. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. This is is cool. Casting, though, who knows? Who knows? A lot of actors want that part. A lot of actors want that, right? Um, Some of them have wanted it for too long that they're probably too old. Well, that's just it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of this news, Chris? Uh, I think it's great yeah. as long as they stay to the core of yeah. what Nightwing is and what people like about him. Uh, recently, DC Comics changed Nightwing into just being Grayson. Right. And, the agent, super uh, agent. You know, that's not what people want. No. Like, they like Dick Grayson, but they want him as Nightwing, and they want him as the Nightwing in the blue costume, not, not the red. anything else. And that's how they're going to have to make that movie. Right now, with the setup in the existing DCU movies, they can get by with saying, okay, we know we've had a Batman around for a long time. So one of his Robins graduated to becoming Nightwing. And I don't think it would take much to make that movie work, given what what we have so far. It's a solid character. Like, I want to say, like, it's hard to screw up, but we know that they make (laughs) some weird decisions. Um, Suicide Squad's got its its problems, but I, I really like the characters in it. I thought everybody was pretty cool, but uh, that's that's the key: is mm-hmm. keeping the characters right. And you got to find people that are going to champion the movies and the characters that they're playing, like uh, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. Like that's perfect. Right. I always wonder why there's no Black Widow movie. Maybe because Scarlett Johansson doesn't care. Maybe yeah. she doesn't want to be that character so much. Is it's a paycheck and that's it. It right. Where other Actors are like I'm. I'm Thor all the time. Look at yeah. me, yeah. like you know. So that's what Nightwing needs as well is somebody to champion the character and, and be part of that film. Someone to embody that character <clears throat> right. exactly. and carry it forever. Yeah, like you see with Evans and Hemsworth yes. and Downey, like all these guys. Yeah. Right. Like this is a character that can outfight Batman. Right. Yeah. Like he's a better fighter than Batman. That's right. So yeah, they got to bring that mm-hmm. <laughs> an acrobat. Awesome. Looking well, forward looking, to it. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking yeah. forward to hearing a bit more news on this. And this is a perfect segue into our comic book picks of the week. I That's think. right. And I'm going to throw it to you first, Troy. Cool. What is cool. your comic book pick of the week? Yeah. Well, uh, keeping it DC it wasn't anything recent actually. Um, you know, the rebirth series happened a little while back and I had some time to kind of catch up and I went back to uh, Red Hood of the Outlaws um, The Dark Trinity Mm -hmm. and this was such a surprise this is cool Um, I don't have a particular issue but I just did the volume there, and it's it's great stuff. I really like what they've done with Jason Todd. I've never been the biggest Red Hood fan. I, clearly, I just said I like Nightwing more so. Um, mm-hmm. Artemis is cool, and then you got Brazaro again, somebody I've never really cared for. But the three of those characters together works so much better, in my opinion, than the Red Hood, uh, Red Arrow. Was it the last time? Red Hood, Red Arrow, and um, Starfire. Starfire. Yeah, that was a weird combo. This is it a was. weird combo too. It is. 
And it's the same writer across the board on all these books, too. So, yeah, how come this works other than the previous team? I don't know. Dark Trinity? I don't yeah, know if that's I, the only I, reason. And then they, but... you, got, um, um, you got Black Mask in there, too, as, as the villain, nice. which was pretty cool. So And the art's cool. Um, the art is by Dexter Story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I really like this book. And I'm, I'm probably going to continue trying to pick up and keep up with... Um, this Red Hood Rebirth. So that's that much more Batman stuff I got to read. I got All-Star, got the original Batman going on, Nightwing, and now I'm probably going to be doing some Red Hoods. So. Nice, yeah, nice man. stuff. How about you, Chris? What's your comic book pick of the week? Well, uh, there's a really cool comic that's back on the shelf. It's called Rat Queens. Uh, Curtis Weeb co-created and has been writing the series, and it went away for a bit, and now it's back with a new number one. I haven't had a chance to sit down and read through it yet, but I'll be doing that tonight. And, you know, the store's had a good relationship with Curtis. He's been uh, at the store to sign for Peter Panzerfoss as well as Rat Queens before as well. Cool, cool. So that'll be my pick this week for sure. That's a hell of a cover, too. I've been looking at that this whole time. And it's cool. It kind of brings back memories of uh, of the Nutcracker with, uh, with the rats. <laughs> oh, yes, the... Uh... <laughs> The, the middle cover there yeah right yeah that's a hell of a cover cool stuff awesome i have to look into that because we don't often at least myself i don't often explore beyond mm-hmm. marvel really and some of the guys i talked to on twitter and a few other guys that i know that read comic books they've been recommending different mm-hmm. things from image and that lately and i think i'm going to take a step over onto that side and try to broaden my comic book reading base and something like this rat queens is something that maybe well, I'll... Rat queens is uh it's really relatable if you play Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Uh, if you really like some some kick-ass girls in your comics, uh, that's what you're definitely dealing with. It's definitely a mature breed. Uh, in the previous comics, there's been nudity and all kinds of uh, great language. But yeah, <laughs> if if you're willing to to check out an image book this week, that's the one I'm I'm going to recommend to you. Very cool. Very I've, cool. I've always been curious because I've never dived into Image. Is it all one universe? So like, is Spawn and all these other characters all in the same? Not really. Page? They're no. all their own things. Uh, you could think of like if you read Vertigo books, let's right? Say, and DC. They okay. all kind of have their own continuity. In the '90s, they tried kind of building their Image universe, but in the end, I would say all the Image founders wanted to do their own thing and cool. create their own individual universes. Awesome. Sometimes awesome. we'll see Spawn and Savage Dragon with each other. But right, that's kind of it these days. And this week for myself, I, I've had a tendency over the last couple of weeks to do throwbacks. I did Infinity Gauntlet. I've done Annihilation. Mm-hmm. And I'm continuing with this trend, and I'm going to recommend the Old Man Logan trade paperback. I had never really read this before. I'd read a few issues. I knew the basic premise of the story. Mm-hmm. But I sat down and read this in one go. This is awesome. And I did it to prepare for this podcast, to prepare for Logan next week. And I found myself just wanting more of this character. I immediately asked Troy, is this what the new Old Man Logan is like? I like this dystopian future. I like that they created this enormous universe around this storyline and had just the imagery in it. It's almost cinematic. Mm-hmm. And I just love what they did with the characters here with the Hulks and Old Man Logan, Hawkeye, and the appearances from various different characters. It is just incredible. I have to say, go pick this up. I'm going to pick up Old Man Logan off the shelf now. I'm back collecting awesome. all of those issues from the recent run of this character because yeah, and, I liked it that much. And you can you can start off even with uh, Secret Wars, the Secret Wars tie-in yeah. of yep. Old Man Logan. It all works. It all, it's all connected. 
And the nice thing about this too is you don't need anything else. Or I didn't feel that you needed anything else to jump into this. You Just can the general this. knowledge of X-Men. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. live in a mansion. You yeah. Know, and like and the appreciation, I guess, <laughs> you get a little more out of it if you know who the character, if you know yeah. who Red Skull is and all mm-hmm. these different type of characters. You appreciate that more about the universe, but you need no continuity. It's written well enough so you know what's going on. Yeah, you immediately it. get into it and yeah. get running. And I think people are aware enough of the X-Men, of Logan, of the character of Wolverine to understand what's going on in this. And the fact that it's set way in the far-flung future, you don't have to worry about much. And so that's another great yep. jumping on point. It's a great standalone story. Yeah. yeah. And if you like it enough, you get to continue on with the current material. Yes. The old man Logan storyline, I believe, came out in 2007 in the pages of Wolverine. Yep. Uh, and now we have uh, the current old man Logan series. And what I find for me, Wolverine over the last few years has kind of become soft. He became the headmaster of uh, the school. He's a card-carrying Avenger. Yeah. And then when Old Man Logan came back, and and I won't spoil anything for the original material, but uh, you're kind of wondering why Wolverine's not just killing everybody in in Mm -hmm. this comic. And he gets over that. And when you start seeing him as part of, you know, the Marvel 616, he's got a a checklist of people he needs to kill. Yes. And so we're uh, with Old Man Logan, it's bringing us back uh, to Wolverine basics as well, which is uh, I appreciate a lot as a Wolverine fan. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to jump into this new series. I'm so So excited for it. So that is a brilliant segue into our main topic of discussion this week. We're going to be talking Logan and X-23 in the comic books. This week we have the Logan movie dropping in theaters, and it's something that I've been looking forward to. I had it pretty high on my most anticipated list for this year, especially coming off the back end of the first Johnny Cash trailer. The second Mm -hmm. trailer threw me for a bit of a loop, and I've had an issue getting into X-23, particularly a young female slicing and dicing people on film. And being that this is rated R, it it kind of really, you know, I stepped back from it and really thought to myself, is this something that I want to go and see? But having actually now read Old Man Logan's storyline and gone back and read some X-23 comic books, I have such a greater appreciation for this character and what potentially they could be doing. So we're going to try to break down just a few of the stories. We're not going to try to spoil much. And I'll say spoilers for the movie. We have not seen it here. I don't think many of us have seen past the second or third trailer. Right. So we're going to try to keep some of that spoiler talk to the background and just focus a bit more on the comic books and try to make some predictions or at least some insight towards what we think this movie is going to be and where it's going to take cues from, where it's going to take that inspiration from in the comic books. Because I think more so than other X-Men movies, this is taking cues directly from certain aspects of the comic book worlds. And I think it'd be fun to kind of just go through those and point people in the direction of these comic books coming off the back end of the Logan movie. Because I find myself, at least, coming out of movies, and you know, I know we talk about comic books and we go through all this each and every week, but I come out of a Logan movie, I'm going to want to read more X-Men stories. Mm-hmm. And I think people just need an avenue to get into that. And so I'm hoping to see more people walking into Alpha here to read Logan, to go back and get old man Logan storyline and get further and deeper into the comic books. And we're just going to talk a bit about some of our favorite storylines. So with this movie, we're just going to frame this up a little bit. This is Hugh Jackman's last appearance, his ninth portrayal of 
Wolverine yeah. Logan since ninety nine two thousand, including his cameos. Yeah, right. Yeah, That's yeah. crazy. It's nuts to think about that we've had this film franchise for seventeen years. I remember seeing X Men One in theaters with my cousin in the small town I grew up in, the small town of twenty thousand plus people. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the scene I remember the most is him getting fired straight through the windshield of the truck when Sabretooth drops the tree in front of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, my cousin <laughs> lost his mind. Yeah. And Patrick Stewart, he's also out. He recently stated, after watching the film, that he's happy, he's satisfied with the arc of Professor X and him playing him. Hmm. And so that's another character that's been around. He's, I think this is his fifth or sixth time portraying Professor X, if you include his cameos. Mm-hmm. And this is another character that we're we're kind of losing to time, to whatever. It's I find myself kind of looking back at this franchise and thinking, there's some real hits and misses here, but I've watched this franchise grow yeah. for 17 years. Mm-hmm. Along with the industry itself, right? Yeah, yep. and they, they, they're kind of at the beginning of all of this. Yeah. And X-Men was one of the first franchises that decided they're going to do more than three movies. They're going to expand and do origin movies and... Yes, some of them weren't the greatest movies in the world, but they've successfully, to a degree, built a somewhat continuous universe. Mm-hmm. And Wolverine and Professor X have more or less been the constants, yeah. I think, through the entirety of this X-Men cinematic universe. Yeah. And it's going to be tough to watch them go. Well, really, Professor X should have been dead in the third movie, and that was it. That's but. right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but is. I'm glad because I didn't like that movie. But no. No. and they've effectively erased all of that. Yeah, yeah. with the time travel yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, and we're we're gonna just in a few moments here. We're gonna talk a little bit about the timeline and try to frame this movie for everyone because sure. I spent quite a bit of time pondering myself and my buddy Brad on Saturday night. We went through it all again, just trying to draw out the complexities and just using finite dates. Ignoring characters, <laughs> ignoring changes of characters, changes of character ages, the presence of characters in the past when they're actually present in the future. We've ignored all that and just used finite dates to try to explain exactly where this movie sits. Interesting. If you guys could pull that off, then you could probably tell me exactly how Lost ended then. Because I find the ending of Lost and the timeline of <laughs> X-Men are is like impossible to understand. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah, we'll get that in just a few minutes here. But what I wanted to run through here first, and I wanted each of us to throw down a box office prediction. This thing is getting rave reviews. It's getting huge praise on sites like Rotten Tomatoes. And I don't always use that as a proxy, but to a degree, I like to go on there and just see what people are saying. I don't use it as my own personal gauge for if this movie is going to be good or not. Right. I leave that to the viewing. But it's nice to see movies getting early praise. Mm-hmm. And looking back at past Wolverine movies, The Wolverine opened to $53 million. That was the lowest opening weekend in the history of the X-Men franchise. Wow. But then 2016 rolls around, and Deadpool has the highest opening in the X-Men franchise. Is it 90-something? 132 million. 132, yeah. Wow. So this did really well. And X-Men Origins Wolverine did $85 million. X-Men Apocalypse only did 65. So this is sitting at the Mm. lower end as we get into the later stages of this universe. The most recent movies are sitting at the lower end of this opening weekend and this total domestic gross. But do you think with the praise and with this being Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman's last portrayal, I'm going to say last in air quotes because you never know. You never know. Hugh Jackman's still looking pretty good. Yeah, (laughs) He could always be Wolverine. Always, right? Yeah, he'll always be Wolverine and I don't doubt if he'll come back like i'm still questioning we'll have to see right we're gonna have to see see how they leave that open do you think this is going to do better than x-men apocalypse that had 65 million or do you think this is going to sit around this 50 to 60 million dollar mark 
Hmm. I, 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 I'm aiming about 65, 67. Nah. I think there's some diminishing returns going on with the character Wolverine and X-Men. I mean, Deadpool, you got to give it up to the marketing team. That was some of the best marketing I've seen for any superhero movie. It was incredible what they did there. But for X-Men, for Wolverine, I don't know what's coming out this weekend either, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save 65, 67. That's, yeah. I want to feel higher. Yeah? Not much. Yeah, okay. But I want to feel higher... Uh, because of the praise going into it, not necessarily because it is the last film for these right. guys, but none of these other X-Men movies had such high praise going into it, like not even close. Yeah. And then the last X-Men movie, was it Deadpool? Did we have one since Deadpool? Was, Apocalypse, uh, was Apocalypse after, after, after Deadpool? Yeah. Okay, so maybe with Deadpool as well, it might help boost it. If people mm-hmm. were into Deadpool and they haven't gone to see a Wolverine movie yet, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but but I do feel it should be higher just because of the praise going in. I don't know what's, uh, again, like what you said, it's coming out this weekend. Right. I don't know what the big movie in the theaters is currently. So it also depends on how many screens are locked up to whatever's yeah. running popular right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine uh, John Wick being, you know, taking up half the theater space or anything Yeah, it like did that. do good its first week, but yeah, yeah I don't think it's going to This is This is going to suck up most of the theaters. That yeah. It's gonna, you're going to be your IMAX, your AVX, mm-hmm. all these type of big theaters are yeah. going to be. So they might Logan. even push to have it in more uh, cinemas. Yeah. Therefore, uh, increasing the sales there. So it might right. reach 100. Yeah. So that, I think that's the top end of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about this being a game changer movie for the genre. We've had a few of those in the last few years. Yep. Civil War being one of them. Yeah, Winter Soldier. Yeah. Winter Soldier, yep. Avengers, these type of movies. And to have one come out of the X Men universe, it's been a long time. X2 was probably the last big one, with mm-hmm. the exception of Deadpool. It's kind of off to the side. But yeah. the last movie containing Wolverine, I think X2 is a big game changer mm-hmm. for the genre itself, for comic book movies. And yeah. people are talking about this being another one of those it's very difficult to do nowadays because we get so many of them we've seen so many angles we've seen the dark angle we've seen the comedic Mm -hmm. angle we've seen the political thriller we've seen every sort of other movie genre integrated into these comic book films and i'm just really curious what they're going to do next because that johnny cash trailer that really made me feel like they're doing something different and they Mm -hmm. threw out the second trailer and i was like whoa this is different again so I'm really interested to see how this is a game changer. I'm going to peg this at about 70 to $75 million. Yeah. I think it does have potential to do $90 million plus if this good word of mouth, this positive buzz kind of reaches a fever pitch, similar to like a Guardians or the, this type of movie. Like this is a character that we're all familiar with and whether or not people are just tired of seeing the X-Men, but I think this is going to offer up something different for people, and that may intrigue more of the general population to go and visit the cinema. And being that it's coming out in March, there are a few movies kicking around, but particularly here in Calgary, it's frigid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, going to see in a movie theater seems like a good idea this weekend. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're getting out of the graveyard season or months, like January and February. Yeah. You know, March is kind of like the, kind of getting to the kickoff there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays. The Friday and Saturday will tell most here. But we're not looking at a sequel here, so mm-hmm. well, at least I don't think so. So yeah. it's this is kind of the swan song for these guys, and I'm hoping that they get a good showing at the box office, which leads to a little bit of confidence in the X-Men universe. And maybe whatever the game changer is in this movie, they focus in on that a little more going into X-Men Supernova or whatever it's going to be called and kind of put some of that writing, that effort into the X-Men universe that they I think that they've lacked in the last little bit, particularly with X-Men Apocalypse. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... Stepping into the movie here, I'm going to quickly read through the short synopsis just to kind of frame this Logan movie a bit here. In the near future, a weary Logan cares for an ailing Professor X in a hideout on the Mexican border. But Logan's attempts to hide from the world and his legacy are upended when a young mutant arrives being pursued by Dark 
forces, the young mutant being X-23 here. Like we discussed before, the, the whole New Mexico setting bothered me a bit because I thought they're teasing this dystopian, post-apocalyptic, yeah. old man Logan type <laughs> of environment. Doesn't really look like we're getting that. But one of the key things here is that it looks like the mutant population has dwindled to very mm-hmm. few mutants. And one thing pulling from the old man Logan storyline that I really loved, which I think is probably going to be used in here, there's a quote by Emma Frost about halfway through this book. And it's talking about the evolution of the X gene that was supposed to be the next step in human evolution. And it just turned out to be a genetic anomaly, a blip. And I think that's what they're going to use in here for the reason why the mutants are no longer propagating across the world. That would fit a lot better than, say, if the humans caused something, because then you'd have to explain all that. Exactly, like a forced extinction or something to that effect. Bring back sentinels or some sort, right? Yeah, I don't think they need to go that complicated. They can Because this movie is going to be somewhat genetically based, because we have the tease from the end of Apocalypse, which is Nathaniel Essex, which is Mr. Sinister, Mm -hmm. a genesis, um, we're talking about cloning in here. Yep. So it makes sense that there is either a disease or something associated with the X gene that doesn't allow mutants to be born anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the way to go. And when I read that in Old Man Logan, I was like, this is exactly what they're going to do. They're just naturally dwindling. It's not going to be the Reavers have gone out and hunted down every single mutant on the planet and just went through some sort of genocide or extermination of the mutant. It's going to be something much more simple and something that I think people can grasp onto. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't need to see another mutant genocide like we saw in Days of Future Past. And the Reavers might not be trying to hunt her down a killer. They might want her for, like, a Weapon X type of purpose. Like, she does have metal on her claws. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's at least come from the Weapon X project. Maybe they're just trying to get her back. Yeah, no. I think that's that's exactly it. And like mm-hmm. when you look at the X twenty three Lost Innocence book, that's a trade. It's a six issue. It's her origin story that came out after her first debut. And this book, I think, is going to be probably one of the main titles that they pull a lot of the story from. Mm-hmm. I think that it does present itself as being a full and complete story of X twenty three, and supplemented with what we're seeing in Old Man Logan. I think there's a good story in there. But first, let's let's quickly before we get into a little bit more discussion on X twenty three. That let's just go and quickly talk about what they've deleted here, what they've erased in Days of Future Past. So they've gone and erased the majority of the old timeline. We go back all the way to nineteen seventy three, and we splay off from there, and that puts us into a brand new timeline that does contain X Men Apocalypse. So that reframes the Weapon X program with Wolverine. And we did get that scene within X-Men Apocalypse with him running through going berserker mode on the Weapon X program. So that's been redone then, basically. So the whole, as far as I'm concerned, Mm -hmm. what was done before with Weapon X, that happened after 1973. Because he has the bone claws in Days of Future Past. And so whatever happens from then on, that Weapon X with Striker, all that has been erased. That X-Men Wolverine Origins movie. Right. Everything to do with that, gone. 1973, we splay off. So it's been reframed. It happens even at a later date. And that scene, actually, from X-Men Apocalypse is right out of the X-23 Origins book, Lost Innocence. It's an important scene in there because it's one of the motivating factors behind what is going to be potentially the main villain in this film in Xander Rice. So it's kind of cool how they started to tie that in when you read that Hmm. X-23 book. So, we're off into the new timeline. X-Men Apocalypse is contained in here. Deadpool is somewhat contained in here, I'll say. And we have the Days of Future Past end credit sequence. 
that has all of the the former X-Men, the original timeline X-Men, alive again in the year 2023. This is the year that Wolverine or Logan returns to post Days of Future Past. So they're in there. And this movie, I think, takes place in that same timeline five years out from that. After the end after of the, Days of Future Past. So after okay. this takes place in 2029. Oh, okay. So between 2023 and 2029, we've seen what appears to be almost the complete extinction of the mutants in this universe Interesting. Right now. Okay. So hopefully that kind of frames it a bit. Like the previous movie, The Wolverine, Wolverine Origins, this is technically a sequel to that, but it's in a different time stream. The Wolverine yeah. is in the old X-Men time stream. That, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the Wolverine even calls back, I think, uh, a couple pictures from X-3. Yeah, and it, I think. It, and it calls back to Jean Grey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and of it, course. It's yeah. kind of a forward-moving movie from there. Yeah, that's kind of like the sequel to X-3. Yeah, sense, more or less. One. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And it, it picks up a lot of the threads from there, and it kind of nicely ties into that. But we're in a completely different timeline now. Everything that happened there never happened here. Okay. So it, it's kind of hard because this is probably one of the first movies that's a sequel to other movies that isn't really a sequel. It's more of a sequel to X-Men Apocalypse than it is any other film in the X-Men cinematic universe right now. Well, it is called Logan. Yeah. Not so, Wolverine. Yeah, this yeah. is very true. That's right. I think that's another mm-hmm. nice nod to the old man Logan storyline, and I think that's going to play heavily into this. Is that I don't know if Logan refers to himself as Wolverine anymore. We've seen in the trailers that he says, "I've been called that, and I haven't done this type right. of thing for a long time." And one of the nice things in the old man Logan storyline is that he continues to refer to himself as Logan. He has not pulled his claws out in forty years in the comic book. And I think they're going to play a bit on that in this movie. Do you guys think they're going to go down the path of this pacifist Logan, someone that isn't fighting anymore, has had some sort of emotional turmoil that's turned him off being the way that he was in the past? Yeah, I I would say so. I mean, uh, the same director did uh, The Wolverine. Danny for this one. So the yep. original, yeah. So James Mangold, yeah. yeah, yeah, Mangold. So he tried playing around with that idea in the Wolverine too, right? We did see him playing with Wolverine's healing factor and him whether not to use his claws and whatnot too. So I think this is going to be like a better version of that movie. Everything that he failed on in that movie, he's going to do like ten times better in this film. I would say so. I definitely see that struggle with Wolverine or with Logan in this movie. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be an emotional trigger like it was in the comic books that sets him off eventually? So it's full spoilers here for the Old Man Logan storyline and anything related to X-23. But in the Old Man Logan storyline, we saw that the reason that he no longer is Wolverine is because he was tricked into killing the entirety of the X-Men. So Jubilee, Gambit, Cyclops, all these characters. Is there going to be an emotional trigger moment that turns Wolverine into Logan. I'm predicting it'll be quite different from the book in yeah. that regard. I'm willing to bet Wolverine's in more of like a I give up spot. Mm. Like, uh, I'm done with all this. He doesn't mind popping his claws out, but he's just done with this Magneto stuff. Right, the heroics. All that, yeah. all that. Done with it. Whatever caused that. And I think he, through meeting X-23, he probably has a realization that he's got a responsibility for this kid, whether they they keep to her being a clone or her being a, a more direct uh, relative of Wolverine or not, hard to say. But I think he's just going to have that. The, the tr- trigger moment you're looking for will happen, I think, when he starts interacting with Laura and realizing, like, oh, this is something, mm-hmm. that, this is like the last mutant. We got to we gotta do something. Right. Yeah. I like that angle. Yeah. yeah. But with the book, like, it... He wouldn't pop out his claws because he didn't want to kill anybody just yeah. in case it's one of his friends. Exactly. Right. Where in they're not 
touching any of that really in, in the no. movie coming up. It's a, it's its own story. It's it's Logan, not Old Man Logan. But uh, I think it's cool. You've really picked out some some really nice moments from there that does apply. Because I yeah. was thinking like hardly anything uh, from the book would make it into the movie other than him being old. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I think personally, like I like the idea of him having some sort of moment in the movie whether it's in flashback or something even if it's the mutants dying out that mm-hmm. he's he's pulled back and become more of this reserved human like he doesn't i, I like that that he he doesn't want to fight anymore he's kind mm-hmm. of given up i kind of like that take but i feel like there's got to be a trigger in there somewhere mm-hmm. that's that's pushed him to the brink and whether that's seeing all of his friends die within a period of five years after experiencing all of days of future past right getting back to a point and then five years later all his friends, his family, like everything he's known and cares about is more or less gone with the exception of Caliban and Professor X. Mm-hmm. Like that that could really push you to the brink here. And mm-hmm. um, I was also thinking about a trigger to actually have him pop back out his claws is in the comic book, it's, it's the emotional trigger. It's his family dying. Mm-hmm. Could it be Professor X dying? Like will they wait this long into a movie, say half an hour, 40 minutes into a movie before we get to see Wolverine? Like, we just see Logan for the first 40 minutes, and then we have some sort of experience with Professor X that we've seen in the trailers that he seems to have some sort of either cognitive disease or he's he's getting this dementia and he's kind of unaware of what he's doing and he's kind of losing it. You know, could it be the death of Professor X that pushes him to the brink again and pushes him into this berserker mode where he is fighting with X-23 at some point? Um, I'm looking for a little more connection into this book because I liked it so much and mm-hmm. I see cinematic elements in it that it could right. work in this story. You're replacing a lot of the characters here. Like, mm-hmm. is Professor X going to work as some sort of pseudo-Hawkeye? But I'm kind of looking for a little more in this book to point me mm-hmm. in a direction where they've, they've taken the nods and the cues from this book that they actually can and work that into the storyline. I think there's going to be very few of them. But at the same time, I'm still looking for a little more there. As far as I need to connect, I think, with Logan emotionally for this movie to work. I need to to feel his pain to a degree mm-hmm. to really bring me into this. Because at times with other X-Men movies, I never feel myself emotionally invested. And I think looking at this book, they could really work on that for people and really make you connect to Logan and feel the impact of Professor X's death beyond just the fact that it's a character that we've watched for the last 17 years and we're probably not going to see him again. Mm -hmm. I need to feel that in-script, in-movie kind of emotional connection to all these characters. And that's why I'm kind of digging a little more into this book, trying to pull the elements out. Yeah, you know, uh, years ago when they announced they're they're thinking they're doing an Old Man Logan film, I was thinking it would be more of a direct adaptation. Uh, But, of course, they don't have license for uh, Avengers and and Spider-Man characters. So I figured, oh, maybe they could replace FF characters, Fantastic Four characters for some of these. Like maybe Ben Grimm could sit in for Hawkeye or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. But unfortunately, the FF movie didn't turn out so swell. So that's not a thing. (laughs) They were even talking about doing like crossovers like uh, way in advance. But yeah, yeah, I remember that. It's not in the cards. It would be cool, though, you know, if we could have seen some kind of tombstone of some sort of the... Fantastic Four characters, right? Yeah. Whether it's like a grim statue somewhere that's been buried or just some kind of, you know, remains of those yeah. characters. That would have been kind of neat. And, you know, people like us would have picked up on that kind of stuff, right? A reference to Doom. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just, just seeing his mask in the dirt. 
something. Yeah. Like Doom that? could have been a substitute for Red Skull. Exactly. Yeah. It would have worked yeah. in this universe. Yep. Yeah, that would be pretty better, cool, actually. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't get nearly enough Doom. I'm assuming no. there's a, there's some sort of other tie-in because you do get that one glimpse of a really cool Doom costume in this book in mm-hmm. Old Man Logan, yeah. but it's never really much beyond there. And I was kind of missing that. Yeah, still hoping Phase Four. You know, Phase Four, we get Fantastic Four yeah. coming home. It's I'm a real hoping. shame the movie fans haven't gotten to know the real Doom yet. Yeah, yeah, it, it truly is. He's it a is. fantastic character. It is, and I, you know, a couple episodes ago, I was mentioning I've, I've picked up uh, on um, Infinite Iron Man, and I'm loving Doom in that. He's mm-hmm. he's he's just fantastic. Yeah. And again, somebody that carries on through the Secret War events uh, that that remembers those those events, right? Mm-hmm. So it's unfortunate. Cool character. Yeah. So another character that's getting a lot of focus in this movie, and I think coming out the back end of it. Whether or not she gets her own franchise or something, I don't know if they're trying to build into that or if they're doing a one-shot type of movie. This is X-23, Laura Kinney. This is a character, like I said before, that I struggled with at the start, understanding why they use such a young girl in this. But I think this can play quite heavily into the actual story of the film. This, this whole story about humanity and taking back a life. So in the comic books, X-23, this, this, her origin book, Innocence Lost... I think I was saying Lost Innocence, but it's Innocence Lost. (laughs) Um, There's um, a group that is trying to essentially recreate or replicate the Weapon X program. Um, And this involves cloning. This involves taking the damaged chromosomes of Wolverine and trying to recreate their perfect weapon. And the progression of it, and what I always thought was interesting with X-23 is the name. It actually has some sort of meaning. So it's the 23rd iteration of their attempts to clone Wolverine. Mm -hmm. And the X is simply that they didn't have the Y chromosome. It was a damaged chromosome of Wolverine. So they weren't able to recreate a male Wolverine, and that's why it's female. Mm -hmm. So they just did the double X, and the 23 is the third one, the one that took. And the program itself, so there's a couple different characters in the book, but it looks like they're just using Xander Rice in this film. He's going to be the head of what is called the Transgen Corporation. So I think this is maybe some subsidiary of the Essex program, which or the Essex company or corporation that we saw in X-Men Apocalypse. But essentially, they're trying to recreate the Weapon X program. And the character of Xander Rice is important because in this comic book, he is he has this vendetta against Wolverine because Wolverine killed his father during the original Weapon X program, which ties perfectly into Apocalypse. My guess is they're going to do some sort of flashback and Xander Rice's father is going to be killed by Wolverine when he goes berserker Mm. in X-Men Apocalypse. And this is what's going to start off this character. He has dedicated his life to science for the eventuality that he will have his retribution on Logan, on Wolverine. So there's going to be a personal vendetta there, and I think that's going to be a great way to connect up the villain with Wolverine. Because I was always looking for that. I didn't understand if they're going to use Mr. Sinister. How are they going to connect these two characters up? Because I thought that was important, particularly in this last film, is having a villain and a hero that had some sort of history together. And that's really hard to build into if you're kind of spinning out this almost new timeline and reintroducing new characters and reintroducing villains. But if you immediately go back and say, look, this actually happened in X-Men Apocalypse. My father died. I want retribution on Wolverine. I'm going to dedicate my life to this. I'm going to create the ultimate weapon and kill Wolverine. I think that's a great motivation for a villain. Yeah, it's like most villains, eh? Like a revenge story, basically. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and throughout the creation of X-23, um, there's a lot of, like I said, tormenting torture to X-23. And I think 
maybe not so much from the tormenting and torture end, but I think having a young girl in this position, it's going to really play into probably one of the themes of this movie is going to be humanity. Mm-hmm. And you've taken a subject, someone that they've, they've called an animal, a pet, and they've essentially beaten into submission and created this ultimate assassin out of. I, I think that it's going to work in this movie now. After reading this comic book and going back and understanding a bit of the history there, as long as they capture this in the movie, I think it's going to play really well into the character of X-23. It's going to make you really connect with that character. And specifically when it comes to Logan and his connection to her, being that she's probably a clone, another thing that was teased in Apocalypse. What I'm seeing from these two comic books, if you meld them together, I'm seeing a really good movie that I can attach to emotionally and I understand already at least I feel I do motivations of all of the characters which is something that I haven't gotten for an X-Men movie in quite a bit of time and we usually go back and try to read some of these storylines that have inspired these films but what do you guys take on some of these ideas some of these concepts and some of the books that we've read feeding into this movie yeah well I, I think going with uh, her age I think it's also appropriate for the franchise too right I mean with the character at that age it's kind of an answer in a way to like Tom Holland's Tom Holland's casting as Spider-Man. You can get a good three, four, five. You can take your time with this character and make her essentially the new Wolverine, much like what's going on in uh, the new, all new, all different Wolverine comic book, right? You can really get a good amount of movies, like two or three trilogies out of this character, much like Hugh Jackman himself, right? Yeah. So that's kind of my take on that age, at least on X-23 being uh, casting. So do you think they're going to go back and use like an X-22 or X-21 in, say, X-Men Apocalypse timeline? This is something that my that my buddy Brad threw out there. Oh, I was kind of so we can still see it. the same actress being cast to play. That's that's a cool theory. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, it's, it's, it kind of doesn't play into the whole birth of X twenty three. Her being the only one of her kind and kind of this and, and capturing kind of the the individuality of that character. I think that's important. Right. But it'd be kind of an interesting way, I guess, to somewhat retcon back this character that we see that we know that we've become attached to potentially to right. some degree and kind of reinserting her back without using time travel or anything like that. So there's a way to go that's, that's about it. That's a good point. Yeah. It could. Absolutely. Yeah. They've been playing around with extra clones in, in her book currently. Yeah. In All New Wolverine. Yeah. So and it's, it's an interesting point you bring up because uh, it's a character now that's getting quite a bit of, of focus mm-hmm. in the current Marvel run of Wolverine. She's taken mm-hmm. up that mantle of the her father. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I haven't gotten into that. Do you, mm. Have you guys read much of that? It's good. Yeah? yeah. It's really good. Uh, one part of Wolverine's theme and story is that Wolverine doesn't want kids to grow up to be Wolverine. Mm-hmm. So that's why you'll always see him paired with uh, a young girl under his wing or whatever, right. Kitty Pride or what have or you. Jubilee or whatever. Yeah. Jubilee, yeah. even becoming the headmaster of the school. His, his thing is he doesn't want kids to grow up to be Wolverine. So, like, right from the first issue, they had this, like, really nice scene, you know, flashing back to Laura and and Logan talking and, you know, explaining, you know, this is the life I've lived. You don't have to live that life. And that might be a reoccurring theme that we'll see coming up in in this film. I understand it's very violent. And um, I think given the history of the X-Men movies and how Hugh Jackman used to be against doing R-rated movies, I think he would want this movie to have an R for a reason. Yeah. And that could be to include violence, but to also include a message against violence mm-hmm. as well. I think that's probably going to be uh, one of the themes of the movie coming up. And that, again, plays mm-hmm. into why she's a younger female, is that yep. it is in line with what we've seen traditionally with Wolverine, with Logan storylines. It fits the bill there. 
Right. Yeah. It's uh, Wolverine lives a life of misery, and he knows he's long lived and has the ability to to help people not be Wolverine. Right. Basically. <laughs> Don't be like me, kids. Yeah, bad role model. Stay away from cigars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think this is going to be a movie that, like I said, it takes a lot of cues from different different Wolverine, different X-23 comic books. And mm-hmm. like you said, it's going to have some of those built-in themes that we've seen before. Um, but looking at the universe as a whole um, and kind of in on the villains itself, these are some of the villains that we haven't seen before. And Mr. Sinister was teased at the end of X-Men Apocalypse. And Brian Singer, actually, on the X-Men Apocalypse commentary, director's commentary, said that we're going to see him in physical form in Logan. But the director's come out and said in the last few months that that's not the case anymore. We're not getting a physical form Mr. Sinister in this film. It's going to be heavily focused in on, I think, at least this Xander Rice as being the main villain and kind of your cannon fodder being the Reavers, this army of biotech-enhanced humans that are essentially the security force for this company that is creating or recreating the Weapon X program. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be characters that Wolverine and X-23 are just going to bash Slice through. and dice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And do you think it's important for the X-Men franchise, or for this movie in particular, to have a more substantial villain? Or are you guys okay with someone that maybe has a more personal connection, this is Vendetta against Logan, and using that as the main driver for the film, as opposed to like an Apocalypse or a Mr. Sinister or a Magneto? Do you think the film's going to suffer from that, potentially? They did the last two times with Wolverine, right? I mean, the first one, we had the same thing, and the Wolverine with the, with the Silver Samurai is yeah. the same thing. It's just, it just comes down to the execution, whether they can pull it off or not this time around so I'm hoping so but I think it's definitely going to be the personal matter like you've been mentioning yeah Yeah. I I just don't see Mr. Sinister fitting into this like in in retrospect I was like like at first when it was announced I was like okay it makes sense it kind of ties up it's cloning we're talking about a lot the genome sequences and and all these type of things and it made sense it maybe makes more sense of him being a a figurehead somewhere that we never see he's the head of the corporation which doesn't quite fit with the the feeling of this movie of being such an acclaimed film so far you know, just to have Mr. Sinister come out and like, I'm the big bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, like a oh. CGI, this yeah. whole thing. It wouldn't, no, it doesn't no, make it sense. It me off, yeah. yeah. And I think like the Even last sequence. After credit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the last sequence is going to be reserved for a very emotional moment. And I'm, I'm predicting this right now. Like, I, I made a prediction, a bold prediction for Captain America Civil War. I said they're going to kill Cap. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to do the Fallen Sun arc and just go from there and figure right. it out what's going on later down the road in Avengers Infinity or whether he's brought back to life or whatever. Yep. That didn't turn out to happen. So I'm going to throw out another kind of bold claim here. I think they're going to kill Wolverine. We've seen Wolverine mm-hmm. die in the comic books recently. Mm-hmm. Charles Soule and Stephen McNiven did a, an arc where we had Wolverine lose his healing factor mm-hmm. and he was smothered in adamantium yep. and the died. healing factor wouldn't have helped out with that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no not at all just frozen in time there. yeah um, we've seen him die other ways in days of future past he was fried by a sentinel yep in age of ultron the the comic book storyline he killed himself that's weird somehow yeah that's a weird one two different timeline yeah yeah that's really weird that only one. one can live <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah. that was, that was yeah. the only instances i could really think of wolverine actually dying there might be more out there um, but how oh, yeah. do you think, if they do kill Wolverine in this, you know, we've seen them play with the healing factor in the past, even in the past movie, yeah. the Wolverine. Is it going to be, again, too much to weigh into that? Because we know from the trailers that 
and even from the old man Logan storyline, that his healing factor seems to be waning a bit. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to play on that a bit. But do you think there's going to be a final strike or a final showdown between Wolverine and someone? And who could that someone be? Yeah, do you think they're going to kill him? Be. Or he's going to walk off like he does at the end of Old Man Logan, puts his hat down and yeah. walks off into the sunset? I, I, I would actually be more satisfied with that. I think I'd be more fitting if he kind of just walked off as opposed to kill him. Because it's like, well, what, what character are you going to introduce in such a short time in this one film that goes toe-to-toe with Wolverine and takes him out, whether his healing factor is slowed down or not? Yeah, and you know? in the death of Wolverine storyline, he didn't die in a fight either. Exactly. He kind of felt robbed of yeah. not getting a fight, uh, you know, even if it was cliche against Sabretooth. Right. I was prepared for that. Yeah. And But yeah, I agree. Like, mm-hmm. they're not going to have anybody physically uh, appropriate for Wolverine as a big fight I can't see yeah. unless they got something going on with Donald Pierce I don't know uh, but as far as this movie goes they're, they're all not safe they yeah. can all no. die yeah. even next 23 that's right like she could be dead in this yeah. movie yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true but yeah. if they're going to kill Wolverine and they're going to kill him importantly uh, and meaningfully he should probably have a bit of a slow death Yes, yeah. you know he can't just have somebody rip his head off and throw it like down the hall, right. uh, which is one way to kill him. But another way to kill Wolverine <laughs> is to drown him. Yeah. Um, so I think that could be an interesting way to to kill him in the movie. Right. Is you know he killed his own son in a puddle actually in the comics. So you know it doesn't matter many. how much water <laughs> <laughs> you can drown in a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm going to oppose you guys here. Yeah. I'm going to say they're going to kill both him and Professor Xavier. I think Professor Xavier for sure. I would think yeah, so. I, I, Xavier, I'd yeah. bet money on Xavier yeah, being dead. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to act as Logan's emotional trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to throw this out there. Yeah. We're talking about a worthy adversary for Wolverine in this film to actually kill him, to go toe-to-toe with. What if it's X-23? Mm-hmm. So in the comic book that we've been talking about, Innocence Lost, X-23 has a trigger scent that they've built into her. And this was something that was put on to her, her mother, her surrogate mother, um, someone that's trying to care for her and someone that's helping her escape the clutches of Xander Rice. And this character, Xander Rice, after she kills him, he has slipped some of this trigger scent onto the back of her mother. She comes out, smells it, and then kills her. Hmm. And there's, like, this big emotional moment there. And in this moment, she gives her the picture of Wolverine and the X-Mention. And this sets her on her path to somewhat redemption and working with the X-Men squad. I'm going to twist this a little bit and say that there's going to be some sort of sequence at the end where Xander Rice triggers X-23 into fighting Wolverine, into Mm -hmm. fighting Logan. And for one reason or another, it's going to be a story of sacrifice. Wolverine sacrifices himself himself to die to save her. Yeah, and she that, could cut off his yeah, head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that must play, be cut off. Though. That plays into the theme of that we're talking about with mm-hmm. Logan, you know, not wanting this character, not wanting these these people to become like him. Mm-hmm. So removing him from the scenario, whatever, however it's contrived in the film, it could be that it's about personal sacrifice. It's about giving humanity back to X twenty three through killing him. So she'd be like the new Kylo Ren, killing our fan favorite hero, <laughs> which. Got quite a bit of backlash for that one. (laughs) That's interesting. I I don't know. That's just kind of a thought I had, how they could essentially do both and have this movie end on an emotional note. Right. The other is simply just him turning and disappearing. Right. Like he does in the old man Logan story. And just leaving it open. I just don't feel, to me, that's as satisfying, like just to have Hugh Jackman turn away. And and maybe that's his swan song. Maybe that's the way he wanted to leave the character was, let's leave this somewhat ambiguous. I don't know if I'm done with this yet. So maybe we'll just leave the fans hanging there a little bit. 
But well, once we see that movie, and if it opens up, and it's got that syringe from Stryker's son with the the mutant brainwashing, yeah, uh, we know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that kind of I'm kind of tapped out here for theories. Yeah, um, we've thrown a few things on the table, and I know we said we're going to try to recommend a few of the uh, other comic books, but I'd have to say to start with, go with the trades for Old Man Logan and the trade for Innocence Lost, the X23 origin story. Uh, they're both really good books, and I think they're going to play a lot into this movie and are inspired the story a bit more. Um, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts, your guys' opinions out there that are listening. Um, you can always send your thoughts, questions, comments, theories, whatever, to us at thenerdrm at gmail.com. Our Twitter handles are at the end of the episode, and you can always hit us up on our Facebook or YouTube pages. I'm always looking. We're always looking for more theories. I'd love to hear some other Wolverine or X-23 stories that you'd recommend that you think are maybe influencing this story. Something that we can return to after the film drops. Because like I said before, I think I'm going to be really looking for more Logan, more old man Logan storylines, as well as X-23. Explore these characters in a bit more depth. Because I think that's what these movies do really well. It makes you want to invest in these characters more. So... I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie. I think it's going to be great. I'm hoping that it's great. I know I've had my reservations about it in yeah. the past, mm-hmm. but I'm excited to get to the theaters. Really excited to get to the theaters. So I'm looking forward to discussing next week. We're going to be running down and doing a full hour-long, hour-plus-long review on this movie next week on the podcast. So tune in next Thursday for our review of Logan. And I have to say, Chris, thank you for opening up the shop and, and having us here. This has been an incredible environment to podcast in, something that we generally don't get to experience is sitting in, like I said, your sanctuary here. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to do it again sometime Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could do it here in the store. It's always great. It gets uh, gets people smiling, you know, yeah. seeing all these comics. But, yeah, uh, please visit us at Alpha Comics in Calgary here in Linwood. We've got uh, a lot of Old Man Logan trade paperbacks and other Wolverine trade paperbacks in stock. We've got the first appearance of Old Man Logan. We've got the first appearance of Nightwing in stock. We've got lots of cool old issues, new issues, graphic novels, the works. Yeah, it's got a little bit of everything here, and that's what I like, especially the back issues here. You've got a deep stack of back issues. Something a lot of comic stores are are missing these days. I agree with you 100%. It's very difficult to find back issues unless you go to a specific con or something. that is. Yeah, it's the conventions or the trade shows. But here they're all lined up. There's all kinds of stuff. There's something really for around Comic-Con at the comic store. (laughs) (laughs) So, Chris, where can we find you on the Internet? So we do have a Facebook page uh, named after our store, Alpha Comics. We're also on Twitter at Alpha Comics comics and uh, we also have our website alphacomics.ca excellent well make sure you guys get down here every single wednesday for new comic book day check out some of the statues and like we said there's a community here there's an environment here to come in be friendly talk to your fellow comic book readers talk about theories on logan what's going to happen in the mcu the dc cinematic universe there's so much to talk about when it comes to the comic book world and doing an environment like this i think just amps up that excitement it's a dream man yeah Yeah, we keep seats here all the time people hang out on wednesdays we call it the comic party and it's great people just talk comics movies anything yeah good crowd coming down here for Mm -hmm. sure absolutely and i will be here tomorrow even though this will premiere on thursday so i'm kind of in the future right now uh (laughs) picking up my comics and tim's comics so uh tune in check out my twitter i'll post up my poll and tim's poll Awesome. Well, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure talking all the news, talking about Old Man Logan and sitting in the shop and experiencing podcasting on the road and podcasting in an environment that really inspires you. All right, guys, until next week, we're reviewing Logan for the Nerd Room. I'm Tim. I'm Troy. 
Thank you, this is Chris. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and TroyTheBoy87. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search The Nerd Room Podcast. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find other podcasts on the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Generation X-Wing, Tumbling Saber, Rogue Squadron Podcast, and the Skyhopper Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.